Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third take of the first episode of Courtside Convo. Here I am. My, I am your host, Bobby Zephro, here with uh, – why did I just forget Darren's first name? I was about to call – I was about to say Josh Boydoon and Darren Rayapan. No, it is Josh Rayapan, Darren Boydoon, Carter Landis. Zach Serdinick is also spectating with us here. And it is kind of an awkward time to put up a first episode for an NBA podcast, but our guys back at the studio at Impact 88.9 on that beautiful campus of Michigan State, they've been working real hard, you know, trying to keep up with everything. So it is awkward timing for a first episode, but we're going to get it done. We're still going to give you the best NBA coverage on the collegiate radio airwaves. So, boys, seeding games, done. First round of the playoffs. Well, we're also we're recording this on Wednesday. It's about twelve twenty-three p.m. right now. So the first round, or the first games of the first rounds, are all done. So we've gotten we've gotten the luxury of getting a taste of those games a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about those seeding games and talk about what was the best thing we saw from those. Personally, I feel so bad for the Suns, man. I feel so bad for the Suns. They go in there, tear stuff up, and all they get is to go home, pretty much. I mean, what what are you guys saying? What did you guys like most about those seeding games? I'll say probably the one thing I liked the most was the fact that, well, first of all, the Suns were. I mean, they were. That was ridiculous. The run that they that they went on, and it was like it wasn't you know, and it was they were turned into a really fun team to watch. So I would hope that finally, like it's like finally, Devin Booker's actually playing like meaningful basketball thankfully for a guy that's as big of a star as he is. But for me, it seemed like, and I remember this got pointed out, I forget on, on what broadcast I was watching, but like the games were great. Like the quality of the games were great. Like that's the thing. It's like, well, when you don't have, and I know you can say like, oh, well, the Wizards were in there and the Nets without like all their best players and, and you know, stuff like that. But considering the fact that the majority of the teams in the bubble were all the teams that were, you know, going to be in the playoffs. And so most are, you know, good teams to great teams, the best teams in the league or the better teams in the league. The, the quality of the game, since they're all playing each other more often, the quality of the games are going to be great. And they were. Like, I mean, they were intense. They were, you know, they were, they might have been sloppy when they first started, but they were intense. And they were like, there wasn't like, it wasn't just, it didn't feel like just any normal, you know, like a random Wednesday night in the NBA you know, during the NBA regular season when a bunch of guys could be resting at all times or something like that. Like I felt like that was, you know, if there was, it did feel like there was a sense of urgency with everything, and I think that just made it a lot like the competition a lot better and a lot just the games a lot better to watch. I agree. I agree with that. I think everyone, all the teams in the bubble, uh, minus the Wizards, but uh, um. Every team was really playing, you know, with that sense of urgency, like trying to get to the playoffs. I mean, it basically took down to the last, you know, day of the the eight game seeding games for, you know, the Suns, the Spurs, uh, the Trailblazers, Memphis, all those teams to, you know, see if they're getting into the playoffs. And, you know, we saw a great game. We saw Damian Lillard carry the Blazers down the stretch and he's really turned it up. Uh, and then I think probably we'll get to it later about how, you know, Portland looked last night against the Lakers. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing for the Suns. And, uh, you know, you go 8-0 in the bubble and you don't even end up making the playoffs. So it's like, you know, how does the system benefit you? You might want to, you know, reconsider a way to make it so that they can actually, you know, 
be rewarded for good play at some point. But um, yeah, it's it, it. I agree with with Darren. It was really good to see a lot of these teams uh, play really well, play with a sense of urgency, and especially Phoenix with everybody on their team was shooting the ball well. You know, even like Javon Carter and Cameron Payne were were making shots for that team, and I think they've got a bright future. I think next year that's a team that people should really stay on alert for. I mean, yeah, going off what Darren said with, like, the increased competition, for me specifically, um, you mentioned how the Suns, you know, lost towards the last game. But, like, for me specifically, the Blazers-Nets game towards the end of the season was just an amazing game. They're watching the last two minutes going back and forth, especially with, like, young stars getting, like, a guy you probably – most people don't see as a star. But Karis LeVert balled out towards the end there. And, you know, I don't think he really gets enough credit for how much talented he is also uh, – Another guy for the Nets also has uh, been, like, really shocking for me, too. And, like, Luawe Cabral as well has been playing amazing recently. Especially, uh, I think, last game he had, like, 26 points, too. So, I mean, also just seeing, like, all their, you know, young stars just blossoming throughout the bubble, especially in the playing, game, playing games, you know, with Michael Porter Jr. getting some time and minutes back, et cetera. Yeah, especially, I don't know, when – they kind of announced the bubble in the beginning and, you know, they said, Oh, there's going to be no fans. I mean, personally, I was kind of skeptical too. I'm like, you know, how will the players react? How will like, you know, other fans react just seeing them play in like this condensed gym pretty much on the Disney campus. But, um, it's been awesome. I think when they on those commercials, when they say, you know, it's a whole new game, I'm like, I mean, not really, but like you kind of look at it. I just love the, what's the word I'm looking for? The transparency, I guess. Cause like, you know, you can hear like, you know, the coaches, you can hear the players. I love when like someone gets a big bucket and you can just hear the other benches. Hey! It's, it's awesome. But um, another thing I kind of liked about the seating games too, like, uh, ooh, excuse me, <laughs> like Josh referred to earlier is you get to see, you got to see some of like these younger players kind of go out and, you know, put on a show when they normally wouldn't get, many minutes my personal favorite and probably probably one of my top five favorite players now has got to be watching bull bull play oh my goodness it's like a seven foot four seven foot three you know not quite like Kevin Durant but you know the skill set is there he can pull up shoot from three he's like a seven foot four guard which is super scary to think about um another question I was gonna pose oh it was in my head Oh, darn. I hate when that happens. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about for those seeding games? Anything else that really caught your eye? Um, so I know we didn't, you know, we didn't get to get this one off from the last week, but I'll, uh, I'll mention it again. Um, the fact that the Denver Nuggets didn't overthink when it comes to drafting and now they have two pieces to their young core that are, real good to build on uh you know obviously there were a lot of medical red flags Michael Porter Jr and that was the biggest problem with him because when it come when it came to his game there really weren't too many red flags I mean you know the guy was in contention for being the number one overall pick before he had to have back surgery and um I I think it's always smart with with Denver uh to take a chance on a guy like that especially late in the lottery when you're already a playoff team and you don't really have that much to lose especially because they had some wings in that at that position already. So if the guy works out, then, you know, you, you've got yourself a star on your hands. And if they don't, you still have a solid 
wing at that position and Will Barton. And then the same thing with Bull Bull. There were medical red flags. There were also some with this game, and I think that's why he slipped. But I think mostly, you know, his his foot injury and that the way he was he's built uh, has a lot to do with the reason that he fell. But again, uh, making that trade with Miami on draft day to get Bull Bull, and that's another guy who you know you can you can build off of with Jokic. You have two quality big men and then Michael Porter Jr., and then you also have Jamal Murray, who I think we'll get into. And Denver could be one of those teams, you know, they could end up in maybe the Western Conference Finals or something like that. But I think it's good on the the, the Denver front office for not overthinking their draft. That Another thing we didn't really touch on, I guess, well, technically we did last episode, but it's not going to get posted. So how about the Bucks losing to the Nets? That game – I was watching that game just in other disbelief, which I have some choice words for the Bucks later in the show. But, I mean, it's just the fact – I mean, if I was a betting man, I, that's one thing. If I could go back into the future and they're like, you could take one thing with you, give me a bunch of box scores, man. Just give me <laughs> – so I can just become rich by betting sports. Another thing, how about TJ Warren, too? We didn't really touch on him. He's kind of cooled off since, but that electric start <sighs> – MJ of the bubble, they call him. <laughs> it's been necessary because when you, I mean, look at, at the work that he's done. Because, I mean, Victor Oladipo is still not, you know, the same Victor Oladipo that he was when he was, like, you know, an all NBA level player, like a couple from a, what, a couple seasons ago. So, I mean, they need a guy who can be able to step up and to be able to get the, you know, get baskets when they need to and score in bunches. And so for him to be able to step up and be in that role for them, it's been like, I mean, it's been great for – it's obviously it's been great to see, like, a guy like him who, you know, wasn't a bad player but wasn't necessarily thought of as being like a – oh, you know, he's a good player, but that's that's all. To actually see him be like, holy crap, like, this guy can, like, get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, no, it's been cool to see, and it's been necessary because, the you know, the Pacers need that production from from their wings with Old Depot not being – still not being quite all the way back. I mean, yeah, going off what Darren said about the Pacers, another guy in the Pacers who's also been stepping up is Malcolm Brogdon, another guy who I think doesn't really get enough credit as well, especially last game. I think he had 22 and 10. So, I mean, he's also been sort of like T.J. Warren, having to step up in that role, maybe bear a little bit more of that scoring with, you know, Oladipo recovering and also with Sabonis out as well. Yeah, Sabonis is a big loss for them. Is it just me? Is this something I think about when I watch Malcolm Brogdon? It's kind of weird, but, like, does he not just kind of look like not like so much body type, but face-wise, he just reminds me of Cam Newton. I don't know why, but like whenever I see Malcolm Brogdon, I'm like Cam Newton. <laughs> like I, one of my, my little brother was watching the game, and he's like, "That guy looks like Cam." I'm like, "I know." I'm like, "Am I right?" You ever heard his voice? You ever heard his voice? He sounds exactly like Obama. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call him the pre- They call him the president. Brogdon for president, baby. <laughs> Let's see. Let's look through the rest of these notes. Did we did we touch on everything? Let's see. Oh, yeah. I did say RIP Jaron Jackson for the last episode. You know, Spartan dog. I hate to see it. All right. So, I guess we will transition because we do have a lot of stuff to talk about just between the eight playoff games as well. The first game of the playoffs was Nuggets and Jazz. And by golly, was it electric. Donovan Mitchell finishes with 59, 9, and 7. Jamal Murray, 36, 5, and 9, 6 for 9 from 3. And Jokic even putting in 29 and 10 as the Nuggets win 135, 125. 
in OT. What did you guys like and not like about that game? I like the fact that it was – well, the, the one thing that I had in my mind going into that series was with – especially now with Mike Conley being out for at least, what, the first few games and, and Bogdan being out for them for, like, you know, the whole – this whole bubble period. Donovan Mitchell is going to have to – I mean, it's not that they don't have anyone else on the team that can score, but he's going to have to shoulder the main part of the load. And I thought it was going to be interesting to see because you knew that Rudy Gobert was going to make it hard on Jokic. But, you know, he'll still get his. But my main takeaway was seeing if Jamal Murray had within him to be able to go at Donovan Mitchell and at the very least be able to, you know, go back and forth with him. And maybe, like, obviously he didn't get 57, but he got 36. And he only missed seven shots and he hit, you know, and he only missed three threes. So, I mean, he did a fantastic job in this game being able to lead the team in scoring along with and, and putting that effort along with Jokic. So, I wanted to see how Murray, because I think a lot. I think a lot of people when they talk about the Nuggets, they wonder who on the. I mean, they, obviously Murray's good, but they they can wonder like, well, what's the ceiling with them? Like, are they really like? Are they really? Is he really like? Can Murray really be like that second star player, or can you know like Porter be that if he gets healthy, or like you know talk about Bull Bull or someone like that? But he showed out, and I mean it was a great game and. It's not that I don't think – I mean, I mean, it's not that Utah can't win necessarily with Mitchell having to do everything, although it's going to be pretty hard to, to sustain that kind of pace, especially against a team that, that's good against the Nuggets. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for Utah if, you know, if Donovan Mitchell's putting up 57 points and you lose. Uh, I think when it comes to Denver, uh, if Jamal you know, he's got to be that guy that takes that step, I think. I don't think Michael Porter Jr. is ready yet to be that second star. So right now it's got to be Jamal Murray. He's got to be consistent because, you know, he, he showed that in the in the playoffs last year that, you know, he can be that guy who fills it up for him. Uh, but, you know, then there would also be games where he would, you know, shoot them out of the game. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, also with Denver, we haven't seen their wings yet. Like Gary Harris and Will Barton haven't played yet, and they're still playing really well. Uh, even against Utah, who's a tough team. And it's going to be really tough for Utah. I mean, I don't know where you get your second scoring from. I mean, if, you know, Gobert is not much of a scorer, especially and he's going to have Jokic on him. And, you know, you can't really get it from Joe Ingles. You can't really get it consistently from, like, Royce O'Neal or anything. So, with no Mike Conley, I mean, I think it's not – and it's not going to come from, like, Jordan Clarkson either. So, I mean, I think that uh, Utah needs to, you know – they're going to have problems in the, in the off season with Gobert and Mitchell with their contract uh, problems. So they're going to need to find a score. If they're, if they decide to go with Mitchell, then they're going to need to find a second score with him. But uh, this series could actually be a lot more fun than, than I think we initially would think. So. I mean, yeah, it was still, Oh, sorry, Josh. Oh, sorry, I mean, I was going off of Jamal Murray. I'm pretty sure there was a stretch in overtime where like he scored or assist on all their points in overtime. I mean, he just went off, but, um, also, with Bogdanovich, I mean, he was, like, possibly their second scorer on that team before he got injured. I mean, he was averaging 20 a game with, like, 39% from three or 40% from three. So, obviously, you know, that's a huge impact for them. And also, uh, if you were watching that stretch, I'm pretty sure, like, Joe Ingles was guarding, like, Jamal Murray for, like, some part of the time, like, last part of the game or something like that. And it was just – I mean, you just – that's how where you miss Mike Conley, another guard you can 
have on the wing to help defend with a guy like Jamal Murray when he's just hitting everything. Uh, also, with uh, towards the end, they also ran a bunch of high screen pick and rolls with Jokic, which I actually ended up liking how the offense was run through that. So that's just an interesting like, thing that I found. Yeah, I mean Conley had played. He had been able. He had played overall pretty well entering the bubble. It looked like he was healthy and he was hitting threes and he was being a lot. He overall played a lot more consistent than he did over the course of the regular season. And I was gonna say, Josh, you 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 took it right from me. I was gonna say, I mean Bogdan, he's you're talking about a guy who averaged 20 points. I mean that's that he was the second leading scorer on the team. He was a great three point shooter. He could play on or off the ball. I mean that's for being able to keep that run that to have support for Mitchell. That's a huge key. For them being out so it's I do I think that Utah can still get a game or two oh yeah definitely I mean Donovan Mitchell I mean he's he has the ability to be able to take at least one game but even with all those players healthy Denver is just so again they again and like Tara mentioned they don't have Will Barner Gary Harris and they still I mean they're still so deep and they put the and they can just bring guys seemingly just bring guys out of the woodwork just because they built that team so well so I just think at this point they're just they just got too many guys that that can that can fill in against Utah. And I think that if I had to like if I had to predict the series, I I might I I think five. I think five really. Yeah, speaking to Darren's point about Denver just being able to you know reset and plug in whoever. I mean, you look at the bench. I'm looking at their bench right now. Who came off the bench from last game? You got Mason Plumley, Jaron Grant. Monte Morris and P.J. Dozier all came off the bench and played, and they still have Noah Vonley, Kata Bates, Diop, Bull Bull, and Troy Daniels didn't even play. So you still – and those are still, you know, guys who could – on other teams could be playing off the bench right now, you know, and contributing to them as well. But, yeah, I do – Donovan Mitchell will take a game. He'll make it fun. I just love – this is why I love the playoffs too, is just watching those, like, you know, Jamal Murray and – why did I just forget his name? Donovan Mitchell go at it, you know, or like Rudy Gobert trying to stop Jokic. It's like these play, like these matchups that I just love seeing, and that's why oh, I just so excited the NBA's back. To pe- oh, another thing, I'll just say this now too. What I never understood is why people, when sports were like canceled in the first place, are like, oh, it's just sports. Like, why are you guys freaking out? I'm like, well. My job depends on those sports. So it's like, you know, you might not care, but this, you know, this is life for us. You know, like we, this is, this is all we got. (laughs) So on to the next game, which was another, well, at least another headline that we'll talk about that was very noteworthy. Luka Doncic, playoff debut, absolutely killed it. At least he did. The Mavs, not so much. Luka goes off for 42, 7, and 9. They still lose to the Clippers, one eighteen to one ten. We'll start. Let's see who who looks off guard. Carter, we'll start with you. <laughs> I'm always ready, man. I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah, when that game started, the Clippers opened the game on like a ten nothing run, and and they completely hounded Luca. Basically, had him in jail for the per- first like five minutes of that game. Uh, they were they were doubling him, they were swarming him, they were giving him all the work they could. And they were trying to make life as miserable as they could for him. But he ended up, you know, he settled in and he figured things out. Because Dallas last – or this season uh, was the most efficient offensive team in the NBA. And, like, one of the most efficient, like, I don't know, like top 20 or something all time. And 
you know, that's, you know, that's a, that's a tough team to play as a seven seed. And it went from, they were down by like, like 10, they were down by like double digits. And then they went up by 14 at one point and, you know, they were just playing out of, out of control. Uh, and then the, and then the thing came that the, that the, the Clippers started getting a bunch of foul calls and then, uh, Luca got shoved or there was some contact with him and Marcus Morris. And then Chris Stops came in and, and gave him, you know, defended him and then got us, got his second technical in that game. So, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of, a little bit of help for, for the Clippers. Do they really need it? I don't know. Uh, I think that they had been able to make their way back in that game. The Clippers look really tough though, too. Uh, you know, the fact that they already have Kawhi and Paul George who have been playing at a high level this whole time and they both did the other night but they also have you know Marcus Morris if he has a game like he had the other night where he was knocking down all his threes then they're just going to breeze through the Western Conference but um, Luca looked fantastic the guy you know the guy is a superstar already you know he could be one of those guys who could be like a face of the NBA already uh, I expect him to keep it up and I think that Dallas could probably steal a game maybe two we'll see uh, but yeah, I think that Dallas has built a great team around him, adding Kristaps, adding Seth Curry, adding, you know, a good team around him that and with Rick Carlisle as the coach, I think that Dallas is a team to look forward to in the future, especially if they get a third star, then they could be, you know, the Western Conference favorites favorites. We'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I mean, that game, I I saw how the Clippers, I mean, they just blitzed them to start. I'm thinking like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is okay. I'm thinking like, okay, this is the Clippers. Like this is this is what we've been waiting to see here with with them all healthy and everything. But I was incredibly impressed with how I mean Dallas. They kept composed. They didn't give in or anything. They didn't give up when the games. You know, after that run, and I mean they they got back in. I will say though, first of all, like Chris stops the whole ejection thing. I can understand the technical, the second technical, the first tech he got, which was just him being frustrated when when what he thought was a clean block was called a foul. I mean, forgot like like there's such ticky tack calls. And I mean I know like the like the refer I know that the the referee analyst on ESPN explained how the NBA is trying to crack down on that stuff and things like that. But it's like really it's the playoffs. You're gonna call text for that, for that. Like for look at what Patrick Beverly does after every play. He's literally going up to the refs after every like foul that he has. And it's like I don't, I'm not saying he's like cussing them out or anything, but it's like, it's, it, he does it like every time. So, I mean, if you're going to not call him, if you're not going to call guys for doing that a lot, and you're just going to call him for like a hand slap or something like that. I mean, come on. Cause that was a big thing. I mean, Dallas was up, they were going, I mean, Kristaps was, you know, he wasn't playing as well as like Luca, but he was still, I mean, he had 14 points in 19 minutes. I mean, he was, he was producing and, you know, you're losing then your next best guy for the rest of the game. It's a huge difference because, I mean, the Clippers, they end up winning by eight. So, you know, it would have been – they might have still won. But Dallas, I mean, they were up at the time, and you don't know what would have happened if, you know, Kristaps was able to come stay in and give his – and they have his normal production because, I mean, if they if he stays in he gets them over 20 points, you know, I mean, that could have been a difference so, for them at least. So, you know, hopefully this doesn't become a pattern of texts like this happening. But – uh no, I think Dallas – I think this could – I do feel like this could be a six-game series. I really do because, to me, Luca, the kind of performance he had, I just – like, the kind of performance he had, obviously it was fantastic. And 
I don't know. I, I just feel like this is a really – this is just a really good matchup overall. Because, like, you can have – like, I mean, obviously it's Kawhi and Paul George, Luka and Chris Tops. You got – the both teams have good supporting cast. Like, I hope this – I hope this series goes at least six. Because I feel I really would – like, the game was – really good and I would like to I would like to see I would like to see a few more a, a decent a good a long series out of this oh well, yeah just going off Darren I mean Luca's definitely it's insane how good he is is like this young I mean I don't think we've seen a guy this young perform like him since like LeBron came into the league I mean 42 uh nine and seven it's just insane I mean the only knock I'll have against him last game is he did have 11 turnovers but I mean I I think you would expect that with its high usage, you know, with Porzingis out and with him being, you know, the main center for a great defensive team like the Clippers, you kind of would expect a little bit higher turnovers. But um, also the Clippers played amazing as well. I mean, kudos to them. Uh, Leonard and George both stepped up. I mean, they both had 29-27. Well, another performance who I thought uh, most people were knocking was Markeith Morris. I mean, he had 19 points last game, and, you know, he stepped up and finally looked like, the reason why they finally traded for him. Yeah, going on. That, Oops, sorry about it. Oh, sorry. I just there's one. There's a few things when I watch basketball because, like, especially when it's not any teams I particularly have any affiliation with. When calls aren't one, when they're not called both ways, like when you can see that as a fan, that makes me mad because that just lowers the quality of the game, and you'll have just people talking about the refs instead of the actual game. Number two. Soft calls in the playoffs, oh, they make me so mad. It's like, like, do you realize these guys are fighting to be the best team of basketball players in the world, in the world, on the earth, maybe in the galaxy? Who knows if the aliens got basketball? You know, like how how could you try to take control of a game like that? Like, you, oh, it just makes me mad. Darren, you're gonna say something or? <laughs> I was going to say, going off of what Josh said about uh, Marcus Morris, that, I mean, that's that's the one thing is that, to me, was the key about him being able to be that main third guy. I mean, there's several guys on the Clippers who can be the third lead scorer on any night, whether you're talking about Montrez, Harrell, Lou Williams. Although Morris, considering his profile as that third forward, you know, as that third forward, I mean, he I mean, he was able to be, I mean, he shot, had scored 19, 8 of 13 shooting, 3 for 6, you know, didn't, you know, like, you know, he just had a really – clean game it's like it never felt forced that's the thing about it. it's like his role as the third guy watching that game it never felt forced he just was able to every shot was within the flow of the offense it seemed like and it was just it just came so easy for him to be able to go up and get that 19 so like I mean that's a huge key for the Clippers if he can be that if he can step up and be that guy to where they could legitimately have five guys on their team who on any given night could go off for 20 or more points I mean that's a that's a pretty to think about that is kind of ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, and that whenever I watch these NBA games too, especially these young guys like Luca and I, I don't know exactly when his birthday is. He's 21 years old. I'm 21 years old, and look at the <laughs> look at the difference. He's he's putting up almost a triple double every night, and I'm I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> you know, hey, we we all got our different ways to make it big. <laughs> jeans uh, man sometimes yeah. that's, uh, that's all that's all it is sometimes man you just get the luck of the draw <laughs> hey who, who knows maybe you know luck of the draw we got them podcast jeans baby podcast <laughs> jeans all right so 
Next up, the Milwaukee Bucks, who if I could, I'll just I'll just take the floor real quick. They lose in a huge upset. Giannis still does his thing, 31-17-7. Vucevic for the Magic, 35-14-4. But what, what I just particularly didn't enjoy about this game, it's like probably I started noticing it like in the third. Like the Bucs just didn't look like they wanted it. And I'm like, I'm like why? I'm like that's like the, the top three things that pissed me off in the basketball game. Calls don't go both ways. Ticky-tack calls in the playoffs, and when teams don't play hard. If I was a coach and I saw that, I'd, that's why I couldn't be a coach. I'd just light into guys who just weren't like, – like, like I said earlier, you're playing for the NBA championship potentially, and you go out and poop the bed. <laughs> if you're going to say another thing, you know, you just – I just – oh, it just makes me so mad. Like how on the Bucks team could you be like, oh, yeah, we're just – just put your heads down and just – lose in historic fashion to the magic the magic they got a losing record man and you're the number one seed in the east it's just go ahead someone someone else can take it i'm done that's my rant <laughs> i got you i got well, you well i was gonna say that i mean actually this is the second time this is the second year in a row where the magic have in game one of a series upsetted a major playoff thing they did to toronto last year and last year was electric yeah, and now and Toronto still ended up winning an NBA championship. So it's not necessarily indicative. But the thing about the Bucks that um, people have been, that the, the, there's been a pattern of is that ever since the bubble has started, they have gone from being a historically great team on defense to being very bad on defense all around. Just it is not they have not been able to keep that level of play up on that end of the floor since entering the bubble. And it it's you know it's a question of I think at the very, I think the main questions were again would be like, well, you know, if if you know, can other people other than Giannis step up? Can Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, you know, be able to be, you know, those kind of guys in the playoff series? Well, if they aren't, if they have, if they don't have their ability to defend like they did, I mean, that's a major problem. I mean, that's something that's going to hurt them because again, you're looking at potentially facing. I mean, you're looking at performances that like Toronto and that Boston had. They have guys that can go out. And can store. You're talking about guys, you know, Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Jalen Brown, you know, all the all those guys. So I mean, you know, it, the Bucks aren't just gonna, you know, they have to, they have stuff they need to work on because, and this is because this has been a, a this is a developing pattern for them. And for Giannis, I mean, he goes out, and he does the same thing. But you look at the numbers, like I said, like Eric Bledsoe, 15 points, five and 11, which is just, yeah, I mean, you know, that's okay, but that's not a lot. Chris Middleton only four twelve with fourteen. So I mean, he had he had definitely an off game. So that's just you know they have to get their defense in check, and they have to get and they have to be able to keep their focus because you know Orlando. I mean, Orlando does have a losing record, but it's not like they don't have guys that can play. Nikola Vucevic has been an underrated player for a really long time in this league. I mean, he's been a guy that can go out and get you for the last couple of years. That can go out and get you nineteen and ten a game, any game. So. It's not like the Orlando doesn't have guys that can play it for, you know, for Milwaukee, you gotta, you gotta be focused. Like, yes, you are the number one seed. You have the MVP, you have the presumptive MVP of the league for the, you know, I would say presumptive two time MVP of the league, but you are not unbeatable. Like you, you still have to do the same things you were doing all year. Just don't think because you had the number one seed locked up is that you can just take it lax throughout the bubble. Like this is the playoffs now. 
And as evidenced by this first game, if you don't bring it, you you can get punched in the mouth. And they just did. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how what the, how they try and adjust for that throughout the rest of the series. I mean, yeah, just going off what Darren said, I mean, for me personally, I mean, Middleton, you're a second option on an elite team that, you know, people think are a championship-level team. And I'm sorry, but 14 points in 4-12 is just not going to cut it, like, on any team. No, you want to talk about being a second option, being labeled as a star, you don't go out and you don't show out 14 points. You just you expect better from him. And same with Lopez, too. Lopez shot two for nine from field goals. I'm pretty sure he went 0 for 4 from 3. And uh, also off the bench, uh, Conkin and DiVincenzo, two guys, and you're like, you know, they're not great off the bench, but you know you expect them to produce for you. Went 2 for 10 as well. And uh, also uh, a lot of people for um, the Magic were in double digits as well. You know, Fultz had a good game. Also Terrence Ross scored 18 off the bench, which, I mean, that's a name I haven't heard in a while too. So just, I mean, like six out of the nine players for the Magic scored in double digits for them who played. I mean, that's just that's just insane. But, um, yeah, just going off here, I mean, the Bucs need to step up their level on defense. And, I mean, if you don't play – I mean, against the Magic, I guess it's all right through a series. But, I mean, if you play that against a team like Toronto or Boston, you're going to get knocked down like four or five games if you play like that easily. Yeah, just a quick thing before, Carter, you go. Terrence Ross, his plus-minus in that game – the highest of any player at plus 19. Just going to throw that in there as well. Some numbers for you. Go ahead, Carter. Impressive. <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to get to the finals. Listen, I'm going to say this. The Milwaukee Bucks are not going to get to the finals if Mike Budenholz is their head coach. And I know this. Take alert. Take alert. <laughs> It's it's that's just it. I mean, Mike Budenholzer's is a regular season juggernaut who won the gets to the playoffs has no adjustment. It's it's shoot a million threes a game and hope they all go in. And you know, with the with this Bucks team, obviously Giannis is going to get his. But you know, in a situation, what if Giannis doesn't get his? You know, what if you know it comes down to playing Boston or Toronto and he's getting locked down? And Chris Middleton has a game like he had. The other, you know, yesterday he shoots four twelve and has, you know, fourteen points and four fouls. You know, where are you going to get that that consistency? Where are you going to get that scoring from? Are you going to get it from Brooke Lopez? Are you going to get it from, you know, Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews? Other than those guys, it's not really anybody that's really enticing to you. And yes, you know, Orlando maybe has been a little bit overlooked. I think that they've been kind of consistently maybe not completely terrible in the past, but I mean, Steve Clifford basically coached circles around Mike Budenholzer yesterday. And the same thing happened last year in the Eastern conference finals, Nick nurse coached circles around him. And, you know, I don't think that the bucks are going to lose this series. I think, you know, I'd be surprised if Orlando even steals another game, but when it comes to the bucks getting to the Eastern conference finals, which they probably will, uh, they'll probably face some problems when it comes to, you know, Indiana or, or the, or the Miami heat, depending on how that series goes. But, What's going to happen is if Giannis has clogged the paint, if they clog the paint against Giannis, that's that's basically it. Because, you know, if you're just going to shoot, you know, if you're just going to try to shoot a bunch of threes like Mike Budenholzer's strategy has always been since he's been a head coach in the league and you don't make an adjustment to that, you are not getting to the finals. And he has still has yet to make 
and adjustments. So you have to do, I, I don't know what it is that you can do, but you got to do something. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be Mike D'Antoni East. You're just going to shoot a bunch of threes and you're never going to win anything. So, you know, that's my thought on the Bucks. You said you had, you know, when you said you had choice words for the Bucks, I was like, oh, I do too. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I love that Mike D'Antoni of the East. That that's awesome. And then one last thing on the Bucks. Um, one player who I saw for the Magic who like didn't really do much in the box score, Wes Awundu, I believe you pronounce his name. Just watching him play defense. I love those guys who carve out a niche for them, just being scrappy and just going out there and just get getting theirs however really however they can, helping the team out however they can. He played pretty good defense in that series and as far as like playing defense on Giannis, I kind of, the way I think about it, it's kind of like playing like the triple option on defense. Like everyone has to do their job. If you don't do your job, that's, that's a big play and you're going to let up a big bucket. So next up on the list, another shocker. It's the first time since 2003 that both number one seeds lose in the first game. Lakers lose game one to Lillard. Shout out to to Lillard, to uh, the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Shout out Charles Barkley, at least for game one. He's He did say – he's been saying Portland will win this series. And then another nice little tidbit, Yusuf Nurkic in that fourth quarter put up 10 and 10 in the – I believe it was the fourth quarter. He's the fourth player since 1997 to record 10 and 10 in the playoff game. The last time was – Zubats actually put up 14 and 17 in the fourth quarter last year against the Warriors. So Carter posed this question in the group me the other night. Did we overrate the Lakers or did we underestimate Portland? I'll let, I'll let Josh take this one off the top. I mean, in my opinion, I think we, I think we really didn't overrate the Blazers. I think we knew what type of team they had coming in, especially with the injuries they had, you know, with Nurkic. I think we all knew he was, in an elite level center when it comes to bubble centers and also in the playoffs. But for me, what was really underwhelming was the Lakers. I mean, their bench, I mean, LeBron balled out. Do not get me wrong. I think he had um, uh, 23, 17 rebounds and 10 assists, which is, you know, 16 assists. Insane but in the bubble. I mean, but Davis had 28 points, shot 33% from the field. Kuzma shot 36%. I mean, Danny Green hasn't even been producing – at the rate that we know he can in the in the playoffs. What is that? Green and KCP combined four for 21, shooting 19% between two main role players. I mean, if the Lakers role players don't step up, and that's been like the story, you know, throughout the whole season as well. If they don't step up, they can lose this series easily. And right now, who do I trust more, the Blazers' big three to step up or the Lakers' bench to step up? I honestly think the Blazers can win this series in six games or seven games. So for me – it's mostly the Lakers just not playing to as good as they can get, in my opinion. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, the Lakers did underwhelm, but I feel like I don't want to say they were overrated because, I mean, at the end of the day, I think even during the regular season, you knew that this team, you knew that LeBron and AD were going to have to do the heavy lifting. And I, I feel like, I feel like, like Anthony Davis, I mean, he had 21 points at the half in that game, and then he had only, he only finished with 28. I, he's he's going to be more aggressive. He's probably not going to shoot as badly. LeBron will probably score a little bit more. I mean, he I mean he had I mean the stat line was ridiculous. Like Josh said, twenty three points, seventeen rebounds, sixteen assists. I mean, like it's like obscene numbers. But I I feel like I mean Danny Green has been there. 
Like Danny Green, Danny Green has, I mean, he's been there. I mean, he said, he set a finals record for threes made, I think in a game or in a series back when he was with the Spurs. So, I mean, it's not like he can't produce for playoff teams. And I feel like, I think they'll start to maybe even out. I do think, however, the Blazers, because again, this team struggled throughout the regular season. And obviously we now see how they are in the bubble, but this is the team, the core of the team, Lillard, Nurkic, McCollum, um, you know, along with, you know, along with the rest. I mean, at least in terms of the star players, this was the core of a team that went to the Western conference finals last year. This is like, this is a team, like they had all the injuries they had during the regular season. So we didn't really know what to expect, but now that they're fully healthy, now that they have Nurkic back and Zach Collins and they can bring Hassan Whiteside off the bench and you have Carmelo Anthony who's been able to hit at the – who's been able to hit, I will say, seems like every – any shot that he does hit is like a – basically like a game ender now. Now, Or it's like he just – like he's able to hit that last three that the Blazers need to just put it away. Um, but this is a team that with the – with these with, – with that fully healthy probably during the season would have finished within I – would, I would have said at least the top six in the league. Like – you have Damian Litter, you have C.J. McCollum, you have a healthy uh, use of Nurkic, and you have, you know, Carmelo Anthony producing, you have Hassan Whiteside to bring out the bench. You have Gary Trent, who ever since we got, he got into, ever since the team got into the bubble has gone off and been a great bench, been a great bench spark plug. So the Blazers, I just feel, I feel like that they are now playing up to the level of talent that they would have had if they just would have been healthy. Like this would, they would have likely not been the eighth seed they would have probably been higher than that if they would have been healthy. So I think we're just now seeing the Blazers playing at their full potential and also seeing Damian Lillard like basically becoming like the modern day Allen Iverson and just absolutely like scorching everything in sight in front of them. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, Josh, I, I probably will still, it's hard. in a seven game series. It's uh, it's hard to go against LeBron. Like even now, it's like I just I feel like even if it goes seven games, I'll still lean toward LeBron and AD. But I do I really do feel like this could go seven games because Bobby, you mentioned the last time this happened was in two thousand three. That was actually when the Pistons were the first seed. They went down three one in the first round series against the Orlando Magic, which was led by Tracy McGrady, who led the t- league in scoring that year. The main thing they did was make an adjustment was to put a young Tayshaun Prince on him and to use that lengthy end on defense to make him uncomfortable and to then that way slow him down and get the series back in their favor. So the main thing is, well, what kind of adjustment are the Lakers going to be able to make to try and slow down Damian Lillard and put the ball in the hands of more so of, of a guy like C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, and to not have Lillard just be the guy every game that's going to kill you with big-time threes and stuff like that. So to me, I think that's the story. I think they, they're going to have to be able to make that adjustment. Um, and that's going to be a key thing because, you know, if you're just – if he's going to be able to go off like this every game, and if, like, it, it's – yeah, it's going to be – they could get beat. They could. They could. Yeah, I think LeBron James masks a lot of problems for the Lakers in terms of a lot of things. Like, you know, he was – LeBron James last night, but Anthony Davis wasn't the Anthony Davis we've seen. He looked more like, you know, a Tiago splitter from Chicago. I mean, if Anthony Davis, you know, if Anthony Davis is going to shoot eight for 24 and he's going to have 28 points and 12 of them are going to come from the free throw line, you're going to want to shoot better than 64% from the free throw line. There are not a lot of good free throw shooters on the Lakers. And if Anthony Davis is missing his free throws, 
then, you know, you're not going to win games. And they're obviously, we don't have to, you know, we could talk about how they went five of 32 from three because there's not, you know, even outside of Danny Green, who hasn't shot the ball well during the bubble at all, there really isn't a consistent long ball shooter on the LA Lakers. And I think if you like look at both of these rosters and you kind of break down, you know, who has more of an advantage, Portland's roster's construction is probably better. I mean, you know, LeBron probably, you know, asks Magic and, and uh, Rob Polinko, you know, he says, hey, go get me this guy, go get me that guy. And they're like, okay, you know, no problem. Uh, is that the best thing, you know, for this team? I mean, LeBron, you know, usually he, he he's kind of known to, you know, want to, you know, play with his friends a lot and all the time. Uh, but, you know, you've got one of the best backcourts in the league that the Lakers have no guards that can answer for with Dame and CJ. And, of course, nobody at all has been able to answer for Dame recently. Uh, Anthony Davis really shouldn't have problems with Yusuf Nurkic, but, you know, here we are. And I mean, but the thing, another thing that's a problem with the Lakers is that Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard share the floor at the same time. And that's not going to be either, you know, whether it be Dwight Howard or whether it be uh, JaVale McGee, you have, you know, two guys who are going to clog the paint because Anthony Davis, well, he can shoot. He didn't shoot it well last night. He shot it over five from three, but, I mean, yeah, like Darren said, I wouldn't be surprised if the series goes long. Um, it's hard to bet against LeBron for an entire series, especially in the first round. But uh, there's a lot of problems on this roster that the Lakers have, and they need to really address it because, you know, outside of LeBron playing incredibly well, this is not a fantastic team. So I think that, you know, I don't know how much trouble they're in for the long haul in this series, but I think in the future they're probably in trouble. I think both one seeds have been, you know, less than fantastic since, you know, the season has resumed and especially since the playoffs have resumed uh, both, both, you know, both the Bucks and especially the Lakers have problems that they need to address and uh, it's going to be bad for them if they don't. Yeah. Just a final note on this series um, to Darren's point, they were talking about, you know, how do you, you know, you got to slow down Damian Lillard. They'll make adjustments. But I saw one play yesterday it was like midway through the fourth quarter. He didn't convert the layup, but he goes, they send a double Damien's way. He splits that. LeBron tries to reach for it while he goes by. Miss, LeBron misses that. Dame crosses by him and then does up and under layup between like Javet, or Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis and gets a foul. I'm like, now how can you guard a guy who can go literally one on five? <laughs> you know, like he just looks like he's out there on a freaking mission. And, I don't know. I mean, it'll be tough to stop him. Like, like they say, you can, you can try to try to stop him, but you'll probably only just contain him if anything. But um, yeah, as to Carter's point too, about the roster construction, I was talking with a few of my buddies the other day and I'm like, yeah, you just go up and down the roster between Portland and LA. I'm like, well, like Portland's better here. They're better here. They're better here. I mean, it's like, the, the way that they shape their roster, like you're telling me Kyle Kuzma is going to be your third option and he averages less than 13 points a game. That's your third option. Or like Marcus Morris isn't bad, but like your third scoring option. I don't know about that one. It'll be exciting to see though. We love playoff basketball. We love close series. So let's make some series predictions here. We'll start with the one and eight in the East, it is the Bucks and Magic. They play tomorrow, Thursday. Yep, Thursday, 6 p.m. on ESPN. 
Bucks favored still by 13 in this game, over under 227 and a half. Darren, we'll start with you. Well, I would not be – I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if Orlando can make it close, obviously. But if – again, Orlando was able to do this last year with Toronto, and they still ended up winning the series in five. So, do I think Milwaukee has defensive problems? Yes, although I still think they should probably still be good enough to handle Orlando in this series. So, if we're going I'll, – I'll take them to win this game, and on the greater series, no, I'll, I'll probably have them winning the series. I think so too. Um, beforehand, uh, it was like, oh, Bucks Magic is not a series you really want to watch. That does not, you know, seem like any fun, especially with no Jonathan Isaac and no Aaron Gordon as of right now. Uh, but now that the Magic stole game because of the fact that, you know, the Bucks are maybe in a little bit more trouble than we thought. Uh, I'd be surprised if the Magic actually won another game in this series, though, but I think it should be fun. You know, I think it should be fun to see the, the Magic, you know, do their best to try to contain that Bucks team. So um, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Bucks in 5-2, but we'll see what the Magic have got. I like Steve Clifford. I mean, yeah, when I look at most of the Bucks' problems, it's not really stuff that concerns me against a team like the Magic, more against more elite competition, you know, like the Celtics or Raptors. I think they'll sweep the rest of the series as well, you know. I think Giannis understands, and the whole team's not – you know, Milton's not going to shoot that bad every game. I think it was probably just a fluke game, Bucks and five for me. Wow. I'm actually going to go with the Bucks. No, <laughs> I'm not saying the Magic win. No. Um, I'm going to go with the Bucks, but I do think somehow the Magic steal one more game. I've got the Bucks in six. Um, like I said, I mean, if – now, honestly, like, who was it? I think it was um, – I think it was Jay Williams on ESPN talking about, like, he was kind of nervous about the Bucks because, you know, like Darren alluded to earlier, like, they weren't playing too hot in the bubble. So, can they turn on – like, sometimes, you know, teams can turn on and off that switch, but what if it gets stuck in that off mode? What if you can't, you know, put it back on? Um, I think the Magic – are kind of in the Bucks' head right now, especially, you know, not only did they win by 12 last game, but, I mean, they were ahead almost the entire game, you know. Like, they – I don't want to say dominated the Bucks last game, but, like, they, you know, they handed it to them last game to have the lead the whole time. Um, I think it's going to be Bucks and six. For next game, I'm going to take the the magic on that minus 13 that Milwaukee's favored by I think it'll be a closer game than 13 I don't know who makes these odds I might actually place a bet on that right now I don't know that seems pretty safe to me and then over under 227 and a half these are always the over unders for me sometimes are always just crap shoots um you know I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the over not so much because I think it'll be that but I I just want a high scoring game so I'll go over over to 227 and a half if you're based off how Milwaukee's played on defense so far, it's likely going to be an over. Hey, there you go, man. Maybe two bets coming, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now next we'll go to the two and the seven. We've got Raptors at net, and they play today in about 15 minutes. Would you look at that? Uh, they play 1.30 p.m. NBA TV. Uh, Toronto, this next game, sponsored, favored by 11.5 points over under 225. We'll start with Carter. 
Uh, I'd be surprised that if the uh, Nets won another uh, game in this series. I mean, they 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 played well, but you know, Toronto's ready for the playoffs. I think that Toronto's getting ready to get back to you know the Eastern Conference Finals at the very least. Uh, what'd you say that? What'd you say the spread and the odds were? Uh, Toronto eleven and a half over under two twenty five and a half. I feel like the Nets could cover, and then I think it might go under in, in that one, honestly. But um, I think when you know if, if we're gonna give the Nets if we're gonna give the Nets any shine, I think we should just talk about you know what they're gonna look like next year when you know when you have a healthy Kevin Durant and a healthy Kyrie, and you know whoever ends up being their head coach. I mean, I think Kyrie and KD want. So um, I think with a healthy Kevin Durant, that obviously makes the Brooklyn Nets, you know, a top three or four team in the East probably. Um, and then they have a bunch of good role players, you know, like Karis Levert ends up being like your third or fourth scorer. And then Joe Harris is also pretty good. And then you got some other, you know, younger guys off the bench like Jared Allen. And in the bubble either. Just throw that in there. All right. Right. Um but I don't see the Brooklyn Nets doing anything significant in this series. So I'll go with Toronto to probably sweep them. Yeah, I'll go with that too. I, I think, I think it's pretty, this is, this to me is probably the most cut and dry series in the entire, in just the entire bubble, just because, you know, it's not their fault, but the Nets, they're just, they're so like, they're missing so many guys. It's just, it's, it's hard when you have a team like Toronto, that is, you can argue is maybe the deepest, you know, he's among the deepest teams in the league. Um, I, you know, I probably, I'm definitely, I'm going to predict the sweep. Would it shock me if the Nets covered? No. Although honestly, I, I might take the over. Cause I mean, they won 134 to 110 in the first game. So, I mean, it, it's, it would, I'd probably take the Raptors winning by, you know, I could easily see them winning by double digits in each of these games. So I, I, ju- I just think that that's, you know, not, no offense to the Nets, but I think this is again. I think this is just the most cut and dry series that in the bubble right now. So I'll take I'll take Toronto to cover, and I will take them to sweep in the series. Like Carter said, they'll be back. They'll be back. <laughs> Josh, go ahead. Next year, yeah, they'll be back next year. Yeah, you know the Raptors are definitely like the most prepared team in the East. Like you know, many people have alluded to, they have great coaching. They understand. They have multiple guys who can step up. I mean, the Nets really don't stand much of a chance. I think they'll cover this game. I, I think they'll bet the over because I think they're winning by double this game as well. So, Yeah, I like that as well. I think actually I'm going to take Toronto on the 11 and a half. I think this one will just be another blowout. And I do like that over pick as well because, like, you know, when teams are kind of up, like, you know, even in the playoffs sometimes, especially you really only see this in the first round. Like, it's one thing about playing hard, but, like, you know, if you <laughs> – like at one point, like Toronto was up 30 yesterday. So it's like, you know, you, you know, you might let some help defense slide, you know, let in a few easy buckets. So yeah, I like that over. All right. So we'll hop over to another interesting series. Uh, We've got the three and the six in the East Celtics and Sixers who play. Oh, I just had it on here. They play tomorrow. I know that six 30 TNT. Boston favored by four and a half over under two fifteen and a half. Josh, your take. Uh, I think Boston covers, but it really depends on how the 76ers play. I don't think Joel Embiid got involved enough last game. Only 15 attempts. Uh, 
I mean, if Joel Embiid shows up like he did last game, gets the attempts that he needs to, I think they can make it close. Because they only lost by eight last game, and Embiid barely put up anything in the fourth quarter. I mean, when Josh Richardson has more attempts, you're, I mean, that's just the fault with your coaching. I think I'm going to go with the under here. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But the Celtics, I don't think the Sixers will score much. You know, they don't really have much offense with Simmons out. So that's all I have. In terms of the series, I think the Sixers can take a game, maybe two, with Embiid. Because, you know, uh, I think um, Hayward's out as well, which is sad. But uh, I'll take Celtics in five or six, leaning towards five. I was going to say, I would have been more inclined to take the Celtics in five myself, although with Hayward out, I mean, you're losing a very efficient, about 17 points per game score. And, I mean, you still have Kemba, you still have Tatum, you still have Jalen Brown, um, and, you know, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice, they're obviously really good role players. It changes, though, because now, because obviously you're missing, I mean, that's that's significant production. Um, it wouldn't. Yeah, this is it's tough because it's I'm I think it's probably going to be and I think the games in this series are probably going to be close. And I do think it depends like Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid needs to have he needs to be I mean, they need to make an effort to get the ball more in his hands. He also needs to be more assertive. like he needs like he has to demand the basketball. Ben Simmons is not there. And it's not that Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris can't play, but you're the guy. Like, you are – like, you have been talked about as being the most dominant big man in the game since – like, physically dominant big man in the game since Shaq. So, it's like you you have to be that guy that can come in and, and go at him because, theoretically, it's not that Daniel Tice can't, can't guard or anything, but this matchup should favor Joel Embiid. They don't have, like, a traditional big – big like, that kind of big man for Boston to necessarily counter him. So, this should be a matchup that favors him. So man, if you're if you're the guy, like if you're the supposed to be one of, the, I mean, people talk about him as being one of the best players in the league when he's at his best. If you're gonna be that guy, you have to demand that you have that role. You have to demand the ball. Don't be passive. Don't just you know don't don't. Obviously, other guys on their team can score other than him, but you have to be that guy. I mean, this is I mean because I feel like they need him to be that guy in order to win. Like you need Joel Embiid to get in the paint. You need him to be dominant because. If, if I'm taking the wing, Boston's wings against Philly's wings, I'm taking Boston. Like, I will take Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson any day. So, I don't think they're going to be able to win that match. Joel Embiid needs to be a beast. And he needs – and like Josh said, he needs to get more than 15 shots a game. So, I think that's the key. I, I'll take Boston to, to cover, although I, I don't think it's going to be by much. It may be, like, by a point or two over the spread. Um, but I, I'll say – I'll say this is a – I'll say six. I'll say six games. Without Hayward, I think that Philly has a better chance to at least make it six. If it was Hayward, I'd probably say five. But I, I think this could go six, at least. This, Yeah, this series would be so much better, I think. I think we can all agree that this series would be so much better if Ben Simmons was healthy because, you know, there's a guy who gives Jason Tatum some kind of problems. Uh, but I agree. Joel Embiid needs to be that guy. If he's not, then Philly's in trouble. I think he's that guy even with, you know, Ben Simmons being on the team because I think, you know, he is a little bit more of a scoring uh, arsenal. Uh, when we talk about roster construction too, Philly's is, is so questionable the way that, you know, the way that they're, they're out there playing, you know, even with, with Simmons healthy, they're, put, they're putting Tobias Harris and Bede and 
Horford around him with, with Josh Richardson as well. There's really no shooters on that team. And I think you need good shooting to win in this league. It's, it's great to have, you know, it's great to have dominant bigs and all, but it, it the way that they're the way that they are is is not you know a way you can win in this league. And I like the, I like the way uh, the Celtics play. I kind of like the way that Jason Tatum has taken over, and he's become that number one guy. He's become that star. And I think you know at his peak he could be one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, and I kind of like that Kemba's taken it uh, you know secondary role on. You know he could be that guy who can still be a point guard who can create his own shot. Um, I agree. I think that this series won't go too long just because of the fact that there's no Ben Simmons so I mean the scoring has to come from Joel Embiid and if it doesn't then they're not going to be in the bubble much longer uh and I agree I think that the Celtics are going to end up winning this series and yeah I'm going to go a 6-2 uh I think that Philly even still played pretty well the other night uh but with no Hayward they can steal a game or so but I still think that the Celtics are a much better team and then Carter, did you do a spread and over under as well? I think Boston's covering the spread, and uh, it'll probably go under just by a little bit. Uh, Boston's, I see here, favored by four and a half. Uh, then, yeah, I think they'll cover that for sure. Yeah, Carter's like, I'll take the two fifteen on that two fifteen and a half, <laughs> just under. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I personally like the Celtics in five, and the reason being is because. At the end of that game, Joel Embiid was just gassed. I mean, you could see it. He's just like dra- – like he'd go down just like – he's almost like dragging his feet because no one else, you know, around him is really doing much. I mean, when your best – you know, arguably your best three-point shooters that you're surrounded with are uh, Shake Milton and maybe uh, Furkan Korkmaz, who, by the way, record for uh, most points in the Summer League game. But um, either way, it's like – Come on, man. You can't – it's so tough to win like that because even with Gordon Hayward out, yeah, you look at the Celtics roster and how they're constructed. I mean, they're good. <laughs> they're really good. And, yeah, the fact that Kemba Walker – I mean, last year when they had Kyrie, you know, Kyrie kind of wanted to be like that guy, but Kemba Walker is like, no, Jason. <laughs> Jason and Jalen. JJ, you guys are the guys, you know. Like, I'm going to let um, – that's how – to me, that's how the most, like, the best teams work. It's like everyone just understands their role, and not only do they do it, they do it to, like, their maximum potential. That's how these teams, you know, kind of make a big headway in the playoffs. So I'm going to take Celtics in five. I'm going to go, ooh, Boston four and a half. Ooh. Um, I'm going to take Boston to win by more than four and a half. So I'll take them to beat that. And uh, over under 215, I'm going to go under as well. I think it's going to be, especially with the Sixers knowing, like if they lose this game, they'll kind of be on the ropes. So I think they'll come out with a good defensive intensity, and I think that'll be lower than 215. And then the next game, this, I love watching this series, the 4-5 matchup in the East, last one for the East, Pacers and Heat. Pacers and Heat play to whoops wrong day. They play Thursday, and they are the one o'clock game on ESPN. Miami favored by four and a half over under two fifteen exactly. So who did I start with last time? Josh. We'll just go right down the line. Uh, Carter, go ahead. Um, I'll take the Heat to win this game if there's no Old Depot. I'll take them to cover that spread too, and uh. 
I think that game can go will go over. Uh, to me, the Pacers are a team. Even I mean, even with Oladipo and Sabonis healthy, I think they're a team full of you know guys who are good, but you know don't really push you over the edge. Um, and I don't know, you know, and I don't know if if even if you know if even if they lose Oladipo, I don't know, you know, what they look like in the future. Um, Miami looked really good even without Oladipo yesterday. I mean, they need him to be healthy if they want to win this series. I mean, I think you know when he was playing for that first half, they looked like the better team for a while. But then, you know, Miami was able to take over. And, I mean, I like the way Miami is is too. I mean, you know, again, Jimmy Butler, who played really well yesterday, knocked down a few clutch threes. Bam Adebayo looks like he's going to win uh, most improved player. Um, you know, Tyler Heroes, one of those young outstanding rookies, him and Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn hasn't gotten a lot of run in this series, though. Um, I think that a healthy Oladipo makes the Pacers the favorites, but with his status up in the air, I'm going with Miami, and I think they're going to win this series in probably six games uh, if we don't see from Oladipo again. Uh, but if, if Oladipo plays, then I'd take Miami. or I mean, I'd take Indiana if Oladipo's playing. Yeah, I'll take he is questionable for the game after looking at after looking at that eye injury. So I'll although I'll probably yeah, I'll agree with you, Carter. If he doesn't play, I'll take Miami. If he does play and if he's able to at least give a good effort, I'm inclined to take Indiana because I do feel like this series I feel like it'll go at least six games just because of the I don't know, the, the you know, the intensity that these two teams have when they play each other. But um yeah, but Miami, though, I mean, they played – I think Kendrick Nunn, actually, if I remember correctly, he left the bubble for, I want to say, like a family issue or an injury or something like that. I think that I think that was earlier uh, in, the, in, in the period. Uh, I don't know if he – I don't know if I heard if he had come back yet or not. That's why I think that's why Gordon Drogic started the game. But even then, Miami still – I mean, you still have a lot of guys, obviously. Obviously, Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler really has instilled, you know, that dog mentality – in that team like I mean that's I mean Miami just played they play that way they play tough they're in your face they just they give no you know what's about it you know about about how you feel about it. like it's good and you know you're right Bam Adebayo has been fantastic this year he's probably going to win most improved player Butler played really well yesterday in fact he hit two threes which was something that he probably hasn't done in a really long time since he's basically abandoned shooting the three ball Drogic scored 24 you know, I mean, Jay Crowder, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow, you have Andre Iguodala. Like, they, I mean, they've got a lot – they have a good mix of – they have a really good mix of young players and veterans to be able to bring in at, at any different time. Like, Eric Spolter, they, they've done a really good job of, of building this team and finding guys that really do fit together. So, I'll take Miami in six. If Oladipo can come back, I definitely think the Pacers are good enough to get two games off them, although without, although without Sabonis, that's going to be – it's going to be tough for them to really, I think, reach their full potential in a, ser in a series like this. Like, I may be inclined to say it's seven with Sabonis, but without him, I'll say six. And I'll, I'll yeah, I'll say, I'll take my, I, I'll, I would take Miami to cover. Although I don't think, I think the over-under is going to be lower. I think this is going to be, if I think this, I think this can definitely be a more of a defensive-minded series, just considering the identity of these two teams. I mean, you know, just um, watching the game last time, like the Pacers were neck and neck with the Heat towards down the stretch. I mean, even though they won by 10, it was a really close game. And, you know, if Oladipo's there, you know, like down the stretch, the Pacers just need another guy to just go get a bucket for them. 
I think Oladipo, if he's healthy, he's that guy that pushes them over the edge, uh, just like you two were saying. For me personally, I just don't see the Pacers being the Heat. Also, the Heat have amazing shooters. You know, Hero, Duncan Robinson's a guy that I since the bubble started has just been shooting lights out. For me, I'll think the I'll think the Pacers to cover next game. I'm thinking I'm gonna take the under because I don't see them scoring two fifteen. I think I heat in six as well because I mean it's just hard for me to bet with Oladipo out. Yeah, I think if the if Oladipo's out, I think the Heat are gonna win the series. If Oladipo's in, I still think the Heat are gonna win. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I like the series going seven either way, but I don't know the Heat the way they play, especially last last night even though Oladipo wasn't there like you look up and down this heat roster like if Oladipo is there not like Jim if even if Jimmy Butler's still guarding TJ Warren you still have Jay Crowder who can throw some minutes you can throw minutes at him you can have Iguodala who's a very good defender still guard um, Oladipo as well so I don't know. And plus that, that moment down the stretch where Jimmy Butler for the last four minutes just had TJ's number. He gets the strip steal and then goes down the other end of the court and hits a three in his mouth. I mean, that's just personally for me, that's just too big of a statement to ignore. I got the heat in this series. Um, I'll take Miami to cover as well. And I'm going to go on the under as well. The two under 215. But I got the heat in seven and then Carter were you going to say something before I started or okay guess not <laughs> yeah no I'm good oh okay I thought I thought I heard you starting to say something before I went on my soliloquy so all right so next game the one versus eight part maybe the most interesting series we've got Lakers and Blazers which I will see what time that game's at. In the meantime, uh, Lakers are favored by six points over under 228, and that game will be played tomorrow, another nightcap game. So let's see. We started with Carter last time. Is it Darren's turn to start? <laughs> Darren, go ahead. All right. Um, well, I'm going to say that for this – I'm going to say, again, I, as, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said earlier – I would not be shocked that this ends up going to be a seven-game series, but I do feel like that after the game, I feel like that both LeBron and AD are going to come out with the intent to put their like to assert themselves and to make clear to Portland like like okay, you're not you may not be bad, but we're still like we were the number one seed for a reason, and we were I mean we're not you know we're not just going to let you you know take us out, you know, right when we're still, you know, right when we still believe that we're the, that we're the best team in the league. So I'm good. I'll take the Lakers in this game. Um, ugh, do I, I, I'll, you know what? I may take, the, I'll take the under, I'll take, yeah, I'll, I think it'll be closer than six. I'll take the under on that. I think it'll be a close game. I think it, it probably plays into the Lakers hands. I think a little bit more closer game just because that probably means that Portland is not shooting the ball that well so I think that plays in the more into their hands more if that's a closer score I'll probably say under on the 228 too I mean the only score 193 in the first game so I'm not expecting the I mean it's hard to expect the Lakers the Lakers to shoot that much better I mean Portland still shot under 40 percent for the game themselves so neither team shot well it was just that one team shot 
far more threes as compared to the other – ended up making four more threes as compared to the other team. So, But if that evens out, I'll take the Lakers in this game. And as I said before, I do think this, this series can go seven games, but I, I'm still going to lead – lean toward the Lakers I'm going to lean toward them ultimately I'm going to lean towards the Lakers too um but I and I agree uh I think that this series is going to go seven games and I don't know how well that bodes for the Lakers going forward if I know Portland's a good eight seed but I mean if you're you're playing a you're playing a, a seven game series while some of these other teams might not play that long especially not you know the way Houston and Oklahoma City that series doesn't look like it would be close as of right now um you know, the Clippers and the Mavs might not look that close, but we'll see how that one goes. Um, and then Denver and Utah, I feel like Denver's probably going to win that one pretty smoothly. So the Lakers might be in some trouble. I mean, I mean, the league's probably watching this, you know, right now and seeing, oh, these guys look pretty beatable right now. So they look, you know, they kind of look like the Lakers might be food. I guess we'll see. But um. I think in that game, I'll probably take the Lakers. Yeah, I think the Lakers will come out, like Darren said, with a little bit of a vengeance in game two, and they're, you know, LeBron and AD are going to turn it up. Uh, I think they will cover. I still think the under is going to hit because I think that the Lakers aren't a, you know, tremendous offensive team outside of those two. And, you know, Portland is always liable for a, a bad shooting night. But, I mean, you just can't bet against LeBron. The series is going to go seven. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, I think the Lakers win the next game, obviously. You know, LeBron hopefully steps it up. I mean, not steps it up for him personally, but, like, uh, for me, I just want him to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to scoring. For me, when it comes to LeBron, just look for a shot a little bit more. But um, I think him and AD will come out. I think they'll cover. I'll take the younger but in the series. I think we're going to lean towards Portland and seven for me personally. Maybe risky, but for me, I just – I feel like Damian can step it up more than the Lakers bench. And for me, just there's only so much two guys can do. And that bench is just too inconsistent for me like, throughout seven games where I can't trust it. So I respect it, Josh, going against the green. Because, well, that – I don't know, man. It's like – well, Josh – or Josh, Darren alluded to this earlier. It was like, you know, you still have, like, the two greatest players – two of the greatest players in the world on your team. So it's like, all right, you know, they kind of come on like, you got us first game, but let me remind you, young fellas, you know, there's levels to this stuff, as Meek Mill once said. So I don't know. I think they're going to come out with, especially because, you know, the Lakers are all up in, you know, the media, ESPN, you know, Fox, you name it, you know, Fox Sports. They're, they're, they're talked about everywhere because they have LeBron James. You don't think LeBron's going to be tired of hearing about, oh, the well, Portland looks like they're going to win this series. That's just that's just a bulletin board material for Brian. So I'm going to go Lakers in seven, personally, just because I really hope this series goes to seven so we can see as much Dame versus LeBron. But I do think the Lakers will win in seven. I'm going to take the Blazers, actually, for the spread on this one. I think it'll be a very close game, even though LeBron and AD, I think, are going to go off this game. Over under 228. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against the grain and pick the over on this one. I don't know. I see LeBron – like I said, LeBron and AD going off. I think CJ and Dame are going to match it. But in the end, they'll come up just short. And I like, I like the Lakers in the game and in the series in seven. 
So next up on the list, another very, int- very intriguing playoff series, as we saw the other day, Clippers and Mavericks. The next game, the Clippers are favored by six points exactly, the over-under 228. And they will play later today as the nightcap, 9 p.m. on TNT. Josh, your turn. You got the floor. I still think the Clips win this game. I think it's going to be – I think the Mavs will cover, though. I don't think the Clippers win by six points. I think it's going to be less than that. Over-under, I probably going to take the over with Porzingis back, assumably. In the series, though, I mean, Mavs have Luka and Kristaps, and that's just an incredible duo. I think they sneak out one, maybe two games against the Clippers. I got the Clippers in six, personally, for me. I think Luka's just too much of a superstar where he can get – one or two games against this team. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think actually that – you know what? I'll, I'm tempted to take the Mavs in this game. I think they're going to be really motivated coming off of the fact that, you know, they had the lead when Porzingis went down. I think Porzingis is going to be really motivated to go out and have a big game. And, you know, if Luka still does the same thing he did in last game, I think that – I think that this game I, – I feel like six games – is a, probably a good number for this series. I still, like. I don't think the Clippers are going to end up losing it ultimately, but I do feel like the Mavericks are good enough to give them a legitimate challenge. Um, so you know what? I'll I'll take the Mavs in this game. I'll take him. I'll take the Mavs. I'll take the over under on the on the on total points, and then yeah, I'll take I'll take him in this game. So you know, I'll, why not? Why not? Dude? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, why not? No, I agree too. I kind of feel like uh, Dallas is going to win too. I mean. I think they looked really good the other night. Uh, and then Kristaps uh, gets ejected, and then the Clippers kind of take control after that. But, you know, this was bad. This was this was at the very at the very least for Dallas, it was back and forth because they were up by 14 in that game. They looked, you know, really well in control. Luka looked like he was in a, in a groove, you know, after he had settled in. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm taking Dallas in the game. I'm taking – I think I'll take the Clippers in the series, though, but it's going to be a really good one. Uh, and then I will take the over because both these teams can, you know, shoot the lights out. So it's going to be a fun series. This might be the most fun, most entertaining series, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah, I think oh, – we got Clips, man. I mean, just – I don't know. This is, this is another tough one because, like, well, of course, you know, I can't go a podcast without making a 2K reference. So Christoph's Porzingis – in 2K, I know is just an absolute menace. I love playing with Chris Apps in 2K. I love the way he plays. Um, I am going to take the Clippers, though. I've said it since the beginning of the year. I just – in the series, I just think they're just too deep. You know, you, gotta, you got guys like Reggie Jackson, who's a, you know, starting point guard on some other teams, coming off the bench, anchoring that second unit. You've got Morris coming off that for that second unit as well. I mean – I just think the Clippers have too much firepower. As much as I love the Mavs and Luka Doncic as well, I think, like I said in other podcasts too, I think Luka Doncic has the potential when LeBron leaves, he could be one of those next, like, faces of the league. He is that good at 21 years old. Uh, I'm going to take the Mavs to cover on this spread. I think it'll be another close game. And then I'm going to go, because those Mavericks can put up so many points, I'm going to go with the over on this one because the Clippers are going to have to match that offensive output. And so another interesting – man, we've, I've said that for about every other series. Man, we've got so much good playoff basketball. I love it. 
Nugs Jazz, three versus six. Denver favored by four for this next game, uh, over under 217 and a half. That's the four o'clock game today on TNT. Oh, actually, now I'm looking at it, the live line, it is now Denver three and a half instead of four. So watch out now. I don't know if that changes <laughs> too much for y'all, but Nuggets Jazz. Uh, Carter, go ahead. I feel like every year there's a playoff series that should be really entertaining, but then ends up being, you know, one team completely dominating the other. And I feel like from here on out, I feel like the Nuggets are probably going to just take care of the Jazz. I mean, I think that uh, I think that the Jazz kind of don't really have that motivation anymore. I mean, I think they have a lot of internal problems, you know, with Gobert and Mitchell right now. Uh, you know, no, Bo- no Bojan Bogdanovic. I don't know if Mike Conley's back. I think he is back. But, uh, you know, he's been away now. And uh, the Nuggets are just way too talented, I think. Uh, you know, I think that they just pose too many match problems, especially Jokic, the way, you know, the way he can the way he can move, the way he plays poses a problem for Gobert. Uh, you know, they don't, you know, they don't have a guard that can really, if, if Mitchell's not guarding Murray, you know, who is basically. Uh, if Michael Porter Jr. continues to play well, you know, he's going to pose a problem. Uh, I got the Nuggets covering, and I haven't probably winning the series in in like five games. I feel like the Jazz will steal one, but it you know the series outcome is not going to go well for them. Yeah, I'll take I'll definitely take Denver in the series. I think it could go five. I think Donovan. I think Mitchell even alone could be good enough to get one game. Maybe if it's like three zero or something like you know like you know maybe just like a, when it gets three zero and they just take it you know they get a game just because they maybe the the Nuggets the Nuggets are just kind of not as you know, focused in. Um, on that line, eh, I think that I, – I mean, I, I would take Denver to win, but I do feel like the games can still – I mean, the, the the first game went to overtime. So, I mean, it's not – I don't think it's not that the games won't be entertaining. Denver ends up having, you know, control of the series. Um, I'll probably take Denver – I'll take Denver – I think I'll take them. I'll pro- I'll take the over, although not dramatically. Like I'll, I'll probably take them to win. If I had to say a number, I'd probably take them to win by like maybe like five or six or something like that. Because if I mean if it goes by the next game, Utah's gonna try. Utah's gonna. I mean Utah's gonna give their full effort. So I mean Donovan Mitchell will give them everything he's got. So I'll take Denver to. I'll take Denver to. I'll take the over for Denver. I'll take the eh, two seventeen. Hmm. I might take a slight – I'll take the slight over on that. I'll take the slight over on that. And, uh, yeah, and then I'll probably – for the whole series, I'll, I'll have – I'll say Denver in five. Denver in five. I mean, yeah, just the Nuggets are just um, just a greatly built team. You know, Jazz are missing their second-leading scorer as well, like we said before. For me personally, I just don't think they have enough firepower to really compete with Denver long-term in the series. Uh, but I do think they'll sneak one, like you guys said. Uh, I think the Nugs cover the spread this game. I'll take the over again. Um, in the series, I also got Nuggets in five for me personally. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna follow in line. I'm gonna take Denver on the spread. Uh, over under, I might go with a little bit of an over as well. But the one thing that, the one X factor I think for the Nuggets, why they'll win in five is because you take Rudy Gobert away from the basket. That's what Jokic can do. And the fact that, you know, that's, you know, 
primarily why he's out there is to block shots, protect the rim and get rebounds. If you take him, you know, if you take that away from Rudy Gobert, what does he do for you on defense? You know, on the perimeter, he's, he's okay. But I just always think of that, that clip where Curry made him literally dance on the floor. So, I mean, I like the nuggets. I like how they're, I like how they're built. I love how they have a lot of multifaceted guys who can do multiple things exceptionally well. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, Nuggets in five, cover this game. I'm going to go with the over as well. So the final series of the playoffs, the four or five in the West, we've got the Thunder and the Rockets. Houston favored by two in this game, over under 226 and a half, and they play at 3.30 on Thursday. Catch it on ESPN. Darren, lead us off, buddy. I will say I was kind of shocked to see how this first game ended up going up in this series. I'm thinking like, okay, this is going to be – I'm thinking this was going to be one of the best series in the whole playoffs because it seemed like that – I because I, I was really thinking that OKC, with the way Chris Paul has played, with the, with the makeup of their team, I like them in this series because I don't know. I just, I just thought they were maybe – I just don't – I don't have really a whole lot of faith in the Rockets small ball as much as maybe some other people do in terms of how they think they're going to end up going. But you know what? I mean, the Rockets, and let's, and let's also keep note, they did this without Russell. Pretty much controlled this game throughout. James Harden had, 30, had what seemed like an easy 37. Eric Gordon came back and he got 21 points. You know, P.J. Tucker did his thing. Daniel House, they made big threes. Jeff Green came off the bench and scored 22. Ben McLemore had a good game like – so, you know, a lot, all the role, you know, most of the role players for the Rockets stepped up and and Harden, you know, he did his thing. While Oklahoma City, I mean, you know, you're only getting nine points from Shea Gillis Alexander. Dennis Schroeder got only six points of three of 12 and was a game worse minus 19 in the plus minus column. So, I'll, I kind of feel like this. I definitely think that the Houston by two, that's like, I, Mm. I think I'll take OKC to get this game. I just – I don't think that – I don't think Houston's going to get this in a sweep. I just don't think Oklahoma City is I, – I, I just think Oklahoma City is too good to be swept. But I'll take Oklahoma City in game two, so I'll have them cover that. And then for the over-under, uh, I think that's probably I might yeah I might go on the slight over with that because I think that obviously you know with the with the amount of threes that are probably going to be shot in this series it's probably going to be more so higher scoring than not so I'll probably I'll take OKC to get game two and then I'll take the over I'll take the over on the points I'll take Houston yeah I'll take the Houston to cover I'll take Houston in the series as well I'll take the over you know these are two high scoring teams um, I feel like Houston's going to win the series but. Oklahoma City as, you know, the whole season as we really shouldn't overlook them because, you know, I, you know, before the season started, I really thought that Oklahoma City was going to be, you know, a, a terrible team. Like, you know, I didn't see much, I didn't see much of their, you know, roster doing much of anything outside of, you know, Chris Paul. You know, I thought it was just going to be like Chris Paul and a bunch of guys who, you know, don't really fit that well together, but they made it work. Like Billy Donovan's made it work and he should win coach of the year, you know, for that reason is they had very low expectations and they nabbed a top four seed in the Western Conference with that. Chris Paul with an all-star bid. Uh, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander cont continues to grow to be one of, you know, the best young guards in the league. 
Uh, Steven Adams is always reliable. You got you bring Dennis Schroeder off your bench who gave you close to 20 a game. Yeah, he was not very good yesterday, but, you know, overall he's been really good. Um, but I am also a fan of the Rockets. Uh, the fact that they were completely in control of the entire game with without Russell Westbrook in that game. Uh, James Harden doing his thing in the playoffs like he always will. Uh, I mean, I'll take Houston, but I think that Oklahoma City is not going to go away easily just because, you know, they never have. Houston's obviously the better, you know, the better team. But I think we should give Oklahoma City, you know, the praise that they deserve. I mean, yeah, just uh, going off last game, just specifically with OKC's bench, you know, not producing. I mean, the OKC bench got scored by Houston's bench 42 to 27, which, I mean, is 15 points, which is basically the amount they lost by. So um, long-term series, you know, I think Dennis Schroeder will step up off the bench, which will provide, you know, which was the main difference in IC last game, you know, him and Shai Gilgis just not producing the way we're accustomed to. I think the Thunder could sneak out one to two wins against the Rockets if they generally play the way we know them to play. But for me, I mean, with the Rockets, even when they get Westbrook rack and the way they shoot, the volume at which they shoot, I think I'm going to go Rockets in five. But I wouldn't be shocked if they made it six game series. For the game today, I think uh, I think Houston covers, and it's really hard for me to bet the under, especially against Houston. Never. Yeah, I'm gonna do. So I think I'll go with the over for Houston. Yeah, I was about to say I'm about just to make this easy. I'm gonna do the same thing as Josh. I'm gonna take Houston uh, over minus two, and then I'm gonna go the over two twenty six and a half for this series. You touched on it too, Josh. Shai Gilgis and Dennis Schroeder didn't really show up the first game. I mean, lights are on. No one was home, I guess. But it just – ever since they traded Clint Capella, it just perplexes me, though. Like, how do the Rockets win games? And then you watch them play, and it's like – I still – like, I still don't – I still don't understand. I still – like, I get it, like, threes more than two, blah, 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 but – they they just have so many guys like um like the Nuggets who can just do so many things for you like almost everyone on the Rockets can go out and hit an open three, almost you know they can almost all defend like multiple positions and another really encouraging thing I saw from the Rockets yesterday which one of the commentators pointed out, Eric Gordon took on Russell Westbrook's role by going to the hole and driving and kicking like pretty beautifully. You know, so it just go like you can if you can just plug in players like that to fill in roles and fill in holes when guys are not, you know, not playing. I really like teams like that who can just, you know, next guy up mentality. I'm gonna take the Rockets in six. I do think, you know, Chris Paul and Shy Gilgis will, you know, take a take a game or two. I do like, yeah, like I said, Rockets in six and. Gallinari is also a player on the Thunder who I don't think gets enough credit. I mean, his defense sometimes sure is a little sus, but I mean, dude is a walking bucket. You know, he gets whatever he wants, almost whenever he wants. He hit 29 last game. So that's the end of the Google Doc here, fellas. Um, I'm just going to come up with this on the fly. Um, how about at the end of these, we want to do uh, shameless plugs. We want to plug anything. <laughs> NBA draft lottery is tomorrow. Uh, who do we think? Who do we think wins it? I hope the Pistons. <laughs> I hope the Pistons. I have a feeling they can. 
I don't know, man. I saw that NHL draft lottery, man. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that was bad. That was disgusting. That was what it is. My roommate is a Rangers fan, too. And, I, I mean, I saw him happy. I'm like, listen, I, I, I want to see you happy, but I'm like, your team had 40 more points than mine. Like, you don't know. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. It's stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, the basketball gods better rectify that mistake by giving the Pistons the number one overall pick or whatever. Like, God. I think so, too. I mean, come on, man. Detroit sports, we need something. We need something. something. Um, I mean, for me, I'm a Bulls fan. I just don't want the seventh pick again. That's all I hope for. Gosh, we'll uh, kick you. No. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah Whew. NBA draft lottery um so I guess uh anything else got any final thoughts just uh for me personally just seeing the coaching carousel for this year seeing some ah, people get fired. that's gonna be interesting to watch like for the next couple of weeks see where teams go with so uh, just uh just watching that I will say I was really surprised with the fact that the Pelicans fired Alvin Gentry. I just – I mean, did they play well in the bubble? No, but I didn't think that they were – I didn't think that that was really their objective was to try and get to the playoffs. I thought this year with, with the way everything happened with Zion that they were just they were just trying to keep building it up. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just felt like that he wasn't the best coach for their future. But if they're just basing it on the bubble, I just feel like that's a weird – that's a weird reason to just fire him just because of that. Right. Well, that and who knows, was it – I don't even know, was it primarily Alvin's deci- decision to sit Zion for the rest of the bubble? I don't know. So, I mean, I'm sure – honest. I mean, like their roster, I mean, Lonzo's like, what, 22. Brandon Ingram ain't even 25. Zion is still a teenager, you know. And so, I mean, like, I think they'll be fine down the road. So – from all of us, Impact 88.9, your host, Bobby Zephro, co-host Darren Badoon, Carter Landis, Josh Rayapam. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like the show, you know, spread the word. If not, you know, maybe don't. Just pretend you never heard it. So from all of us at Impact 88.9, beautiful campus of Michigan State, Courtside Convo, signing off.